If you brought a Bible this morning, I want to invite you to go with me to Matthew's Gospel, the second chapter, Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. We continue our sermon series this morning entitled, Give Me Jesus. When somebody asks you what you want for Christmas, just tell them, Give Me Jesus. How many of you could do with more of Jesus in your life? If you haven't discovered the treasure of knowing Jesus, I want you to know that you can have him for yourself. You don't have to have him or know him through somebody else, but you can know Jesus personally, and he wants you to know him. This morning we read from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, about men whose heart desired Jesus and who went in search for him. I pray that their heart will be our heart as well this morning. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, by inquiring of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are not by no means, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people. Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them, the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me that I may come to him and worship. After hearing the king, they went their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the Christ was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly and with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell on the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you this morning for the gift of Jesus. What an incredible gift he is to us. I pray this morning that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation, that they might hear the word and receive it as seed sown into the fertile soil of their hearts. We ask that in Jesus' name, and the church said amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Are you ready for Christmas? Well, ready or not, here it comes. Tomorrow night we'll be gathering here at 7 o'clock for our Christmas Eve service. I hope all of you will come, bring your family, and... Uh, make it a special time of remembering the birth of Christ. One of the greatest traditions of Christmas, of course, is giving and receiving gifts. And so uh, I know that uh, on Christmas Day, maybe tomorrow night, some of you will be receiving gifts, some of you will be getting gifts and the others giving them. It's a wonderful time for us to remember how good God has been to us. And uh, for us to appreciate the people in our lives that God has given. But you know, the, the concept or the tradition of gift giving began right here in Matthew chapter 2. 
The idea of giving gifts at Christmas came as a result of the fact that Jesus was presented with gifts at his birth. And so while he is the greatest gift and uh, the gift that we've been talking about in this sermon series, uh, we are reminded of the fact that he has called us to be generous and to be givers. And so these wise men taught us to bring gifts to the Lord. I think within the heart of these wise men was the theme of this sermon series, Give Me Jesus. These men left their country and they traveled a long distance, thousands of miles. In fact, they traveled uh, what would probably be a two-year journey in search of the Messiah. So we recognize in them a desire for God and for God's purpose, for God's doings and dealings in their, di- in their life and in their generation, that they were willing to leave some of the things that mattered most, to leave the comforts of their life, to go on this journey that they hoped would not be a misadventure, but rather a a journey of discovery in which they would come face to face with the next king of Israel and with the Son of God. And so I ask you this morning, how far would you go for Jesus? What are the links or the limits of your faith and your passion for the presence of God? I find that there are many people in life and even in this church who have gone great distances in order to have encounters with God, in order to be obedient to God and to serve God and to do His will. I've seen people who walked away from lucrative careers with good salaries in order to take a low-paying ministry job because they loved Jesus so much they wanted to obey His voice. I've seen people who have ended relationships that Uh, They were uh, interested in persons that they were perhaps in love with, but they chose rather to follow Jesus than to follow the path of a person who did not have a relationship with God. Why did they do that? They did that for love of Jesus. I've seen people walk to church four hours through the mountains just to get to the house of God for a worship service because of the love they had for Jesus. While I was in Australia many years ago, I met a young lady as she was being baptized. She was a former Muslim who had been converted to Christ. And she testified that her father in in one of these Muslim nations had said to her, if you get baptized and become a Christian, don't ever come back to our home. And if you come back to this country, I'll report you to the law and have you arrested. She was rejected by her family. And yet she joyfully received the title of Christian and was baptized into the Christian faith. Why? Because she loved Jesus. She had a commitment, a desire to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so today we are reminded of these wise men and their, their commitment to finding Christ. It is a good example to us that there needs to be a, a, a great ambition, a great passion in our life to be near God, to walk with God, to know Him. Because you see, the Bible says, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? If you get all the money and fame and fortune that you want, but you don't have Jesus, friend, you are bankrupt. You have nothing. And, uh, and yet if you have none of those things, and uh, if you have no fortune and no fame, but you have Jesus, you have everything that you could need in your life. Somebody say amen. amen. The story of the wise men is an interesting one. We don't know who they are or we don't know much about them. But we do know 
a few things. And one of the things that we know is that these men came from the east. They came most likely from the ancient Persian cities. They were men of great intellect, men who were renowned in their community, perhaps uh, most of all renowned in their religion for being astrologers, men who studied the movement of the stars and the constellations. They were not Jews. They were not men who knew anything about the Jewish faith. And so it is an extraordinary thing for us to consider that these men left their home and they left their, their uh, religious moorings in order to go in search of a Jewish Messiah. Ironic though it is that they came to, to search for the Jewish king when those who were living in Judea missed his birth altogether. The Bible said they came to Herod. Herod was a Jew. They came to the chief priests and scribes. The chief priests were Jews. The scribes were Jews. And although these men traveled thousands of miles to get to Jesus, there were some like Herod and the priests who were just about five miles from Jesus and yet could not be bothered to go in search of him. You realize that the same is true today. There are still people who won't cross the street to get next to Jesus, to seek God. And yet the Bible clearly instructs us to seek the Lord while he may, may be found and to call upon him while he is near. Listen, friend, if you're going to have God in your life, I encourage you to do it today. Look for Jesus today. Get Jesus in your life today. Let him be Lord of your life today because this is the day that matters. Tomorrow is, is not, does not belong to you. Yesterday is gone. Today, if you hear God's voice, go and search for him. He says, if you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. These men came in search of a Jewish Messiah, although they were Jews. And while they didn't realize it, they were going to be the first Gentiles to come and worship the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the whole Old Testament was full of Jewish words for a Jewish people. It was filled with promises about a Jewish Messiah who would come for the nation of Israel. But here we have at the outset of the New Testament a new law, a, a new governing body has come into place. And now this gospel of salvation is no longer just for the Jews, but now it is also for the Gentiles. These men came to Jesus. They were men of pagan rituals and pagan religions. They were men of backgrounds that were foreign from God, just as you and I were without Christ. And yet they found that when they went and searched for Jesus, they found the greatest treasure that man could ever find. Can I tell you, friend, they abandoned their religion because they found a greater truth. They abandoned their, their traditions because they found a greater truth. And that truth was Jesus. And that truth was worth all that they had in order to come in search for him. The Bible tells us that they came in search for him because they saw a star. I want you to think about this. When Jesus was born, a star appeared in the sky. Now, when you and I were born, as far as I know, no stars were appearing in the sky when you and I were born. Now, when you and I were born, Mama did not look out the window and see a star. This was not something that happened at our birth. In fact, when Donald Trump and Barack Obama were born, guess what? No star. When, uh, when Billy Graham was born, guess what? No star. When Pope Francis was born, there was no star. But can I tell you, when Jesus Christ was born, a star appeared in the heavens. There was an announcement in the heavens that declared the birth of the Savior. 
It was like heaven was saying, it's a boy, and he is the son of God. And that star was a miraculous occurrence in the heavens. You know that they tell us that a star has 3,000 times the energy of an atomic bomb. When Jesus was born, the heavens went into such excitement and such uh, um, joy that a, an, a, a, a blast of energy of 3,000 times the size of an atomic bomb exploded in the heavens to announce that the Son of God had left heaven and invaded earth with power and with glory and salvation for those who would call upon him. These men came following this star. That star led them to the land of Israel. It led them to Jerusalem. It led them to the place where the, the, where the word of God had been written and where the word of God had been given to the Jewish people. And do you know that when that star came uh, to announce the birth of Christ, it was, uh, it was simply going to lead them to the word of God. You see, when they came into Jerusalem, the scripture says that they came and they went to the chief priests and the king. And the king and the priests went to the word of God. To see what does God's word have to say about the birth of the Messiah. What does this tell us this morning? This tells us that you and I are not led by the stars in heaven. We are led by the word of God. It is the word of God that has the final authority over your life. That star was the instrument God used in order to bring them to Jesus. Do you remember the instrument that God used in order to bring you to Jesus? You know some of you. God used a, a jail cell to bring you to Jesus. No shame in that. Aren't you just glad it brought you to Jesus? Some of you, God used a hospital bed to bring you to Jesus. Some of you, God used the place called Rock Bottom to bring you to Jesus. I don't know what God used to bring you to himself, but I'm just glad this morning that he brought you to himself, that he brought you to his grace and to his mercy and to his power in your life. His star led them. To the word of God. And then it led them to the son of God. The scripture says they came to Bethlehem. The town that had been announced by the prophets. To be the place for the birth of the Messiah. And listen what, what happened. What they did when they arrived at the house where Jesus was staying. The Bible said they bowed down and they worshipped. These men did not just come to be part of some political spectacle. They came to worship God. They came to have an encounter with the presence of the living God. They came into the house where Jesus and his, and his family were staying because by this point, Jesus was probably a, a toddler. He was no longer in, in the manger. He had, he had uh, grown up a little bit, and some time had passed as these men had gone on their journey. They brought before him their treasures, and they opened them up to him. Now, the Bible tells us that they brought three gifts. And I want to talk about those three gifts for a moment this morning because each one of those gifts is significant to the, to the character and nature of Jesus. These three gifts uh, were gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, uh, that doesn't mean there were three wise men. There might have been five wise men. There might have been ten wise men. We don't know how many wise men there were. We know that they brought three gifts. And these three gifts each point to an aspect of the nature of Jesus, that whether they knew it or not, was announcing the glory and the worth of the Son of God. The first one, that the first gift they brought to him was gold. This, a gift of gold was the kind of gift that you would give to a king. 
It was the gift of gold that announced the fact that Jesus was in fact the king of the Jews. That he was going to be the ruler of the nation of Israel. But not just Israel. He would be the ruler of the nations. And I tell you friends that Jesus is still king today. Jesus is king of kings and lord of lords. This gift of gold announced the fact that Israel's king had come. That he would be the king who would rule in power and in authority, according to Numbers chapter 24. And that he would be the king who would sit upon the throne of David his father, uh, as, uh, as according to 2 Samuel chapter 7. Jesus is king of heaven because he is the son of the living God. He is the king of glory because all glory and honor and praise belongs to him. He is the king of wisdom because all wisdom and insight belong to him. He is the king of life, for he came and he conquered death, hell, and the grave. He is the king of creation, for by him all things were made, and without him nothing has been made that has been made. He is the king of men's hearts, because only Jesus can turn the heart of stone into a heart of flesh and convert the heart of a man who's loving and loves sin into a heart that loves righteousness. Jesus is king of kings because at his feet every king will bow and every prince and every president will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Who is it that we see sitting on the throne at the end of the ages? Is it Alexander? Is it Pharaoh? Is it Caesar? Is it Napoleon? No, it's King Jesus. He's the one who rules and reigns in the end and who sits upon the throne, who the Bible says that he is King of kings and Lord of lords. That's why this morning we want Jesus because Jesus is the one who can rule. He can rule over the storm in your life and bring peace. He can rule over the infirmity in your life and bring healing. He can rule over the sin in your life and bring righteousness. Come on, somebody. All hail King Jesus. He's the one who sits in power and in authority upon the throne. Some scholars believe that the Magi, these wise men, were actually the king makers of the Persian Empire. They were the king makers of the ancient Persian world. And so they came to Jesus because they acknowledged that a king had been born. This king made Herod nervous because he was going to take his place. And I'll tell you what, this king made Satan nervous because he was going to remove him from the place of authority and restore to God and to in your heart the authority that belongs to the Lord. This king wants to rule and reign in your heart. Can I tell you this morning that Jesus will not have a second place in your life. He will not sit anywhere but at the head of the table in your heart. He will not sit anywhere but on the throne of your heart. You must give him full and total authority in your life. The word king in the, in the New Testament is the best human term that we can have for the term Lord. You see, the idea of Jesus being king or Jesus being Lord re represents the fact, it reminds us of the fact that God wants full and total control of your life. Jesus is Lord. That means Jesus is in control. Your life is not a mess of chance events just happening out of control. But God is in control over your life. 
If you will give him your heart, he will rule and reign in your life and bring you into the full blessing of God. Now we see the second gift. They brought to him frankincense. Frankincense was a spice that was used in the worship of God. In the tabernacle of Moses, there was an altar of frankincense. And on that altar, the priest would come in every morning and every evening and offer uh, worship before God. That incense would rise before the Lord. And it was called a sweet-smelling aroma before God. And so whenever they went in in the morning, whenever they went in the evening, they had but one job, one responsibility to worship God. Why did they bring incense to Jesus? Because he was God. He was God in human flesh. And they had come to worship him. You know, today we don't burn incense in the house of God anymore. Because God isn't looking for us to burn spices in his name. You see, the burning of spices is something that the flesh can do. You can burn incense and your heart not really be into it. You can, you can burn incense and not really be worshiping God. But you see, Jesus said the time has come and now is when the Father is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. God is looking for a church and he's looking for a people that will worship him with their whole heart. A people that will wake up in the morning and worship God and say, Lord, you are good. Lord, you are great. God, you are God in my life. God is looking for a people who will worship him in every season. And every, every era of your life. You know it's good to worship God in every season of your life. When you have a birthday party, you ought to have a time when you stop and worship God. When you stop and just say, you know what, I want to thank everybody for being here. I want to thank you for gifts and cake. But above all that, I want to thank God for being God in my life. And when you celebrate Thanksgiving, you need to stop the, 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 the football game and, and, uh, and uh, turn off the TV and just make some time to say, you know what, if it weren't for God, there wouldn't be any food on this table. If it weren't for God, there wouldn't be health and breath in our bodies. And tomorrow night when you get around that Christmas tree and you start opening packages, I want you to just stop and remember that it is God who has given you the gift of Jesus, the gift of his grace and of salvation. God is looking for worship. But you know, there's a worship that costs more than that kind of worship. Because it's really easy to worship in good times. Come on, somebody. I said it's easy to worship in good times. When you, when you have a, a fat bonus check, it's easy to worship God. But when times are tough, when dark clouds hover, when you get bad news from the doctor, when the attorney tells you there's no hope, when the judge gives you uh, an answer you didn't want to hear, when you don't seem to have a way clear, when your finances are, are tight, God is still looking for worship out of our lives. He's still looking for us to say, Lord, you are still good. You are still God. You are still in control. I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. And my soul will boast in God. My soul will boast in God. Why? Because God is worthy of the highest praise. He is worthy of worship and of adoration. He's worthy of our worship. You know, that word worship, it literally means to give worth to something. When you worship God, you're giving him value. You're giving him worth. You're saying, God, you're worth more than my money. You're worth more than my, than my family. You're worth more than my job. 
You're worth more than my education and my career. We sang it this morning. Lift him up. Lift him higher. We're saying there is a name higher than all names. There is a God greater than all gods. He is worthy of our worship and our adoration in every season of our life. Finally, they brought in this third gift. This was the gift of myrrh. Now, myrrh was a spice also. But this spice was used to anoint the bodies of the dead. But they wrapped those bodies in linen cloth, and they placed them in the tomb. Myrrh was one of the spices used to embalm the body. Now, while you just think about that for a moment, because I know uh, you ladies in here have been to baby showers. And uh, next time you go to a baby shower, I'm quite sure it will not pass through your mind to take any embalming uh, spices to the baby shower. Nobody comes to a baby shower with funeral plans to say, let's get ready for the baby's death. It was the least appropriate gift for any other baby, but it was the most appropriate gift for this baby. Why? Because Jesus didn't come to live. He came to die. He came to give his life as a ransom for the many. Jesus came because his, his calling, his purpose was the cross. He came to die for the sins of the world. He came to bear the judgment and the wrath of God in our place. So when we see that baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger, we're seeing who will be, that man, that baby will become a man, wrapped in, wrapped in linen cloths and lying in a tomb. And when you see the Christmas tree adorned with ornaments and lights, I want you to think about another tree that was adorned not with ornaments and lights, but it was adorned with the body and the blood of Jesus who died as a ransom for sinners. These wise men brought him myrrh because he would be the sacrifice for the sins of the world. So as we celebrate Christmas, we remember the Passover season. We remember that Jesus came. But the only way that his coming could be significant and sufficient was if he died on the cross for our sins. This morning, I want you to know Jesus died for you. He loved you so much that he died on the cross so that you would not live in sin, bound by your past, bound by your failures, bound by those things that have, have uh, defined your family life for generations. Jesus died on the cross to break the chains of sin and the curse off of your life and to give you freedom. And those of us who are in here this morning who have experienced that freedom can tell you that there is only one who can do that. There is only one who can set the captive free. There is only one who can deliver those who are bound by drugs and alcohol. There is only one who can heal the sick mind, the depressed and the discouraged. And it's Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross in order to secure that freedom for you and me this morning. They brought to him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They recognized that this child was worth more than their treasures. This child was worth more than their home. This child was worth more than their old religion. I want to ask you again, how far will you go for Jesus? Do you want him in your life? Is this the cry of your heart this morning? To say, Lord, give me Jesus. Give me a deeper, richer walk 
with Christ. Because you see, in this world we're living in, we're getting into desperate times where the hearts of men are turning against God. Many even in the church are turning cold against God. Many right sitting in the pews are backslidden. They've gone away from God. They're still burning incense. They're still going through the rituals and the routines, but they don't have a vibrant, real-life relationship with Jesus. And God speaks to us as a congregation, as a community this morning. And he says, seek me while I may be found. Call upon me while I am near. Can it be that someone would go a thousand miles to get to Jesus and someone else wouldn't go five miles to go to him? This morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, don't pass this opportunity up. The Bible says today if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Don't say, I'll put it off for later. I'll do that later. No, today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. Jesus died for you because he loves you. And Jesus wants to help you. He wants to heal you. He wants to save you. He wants to give you a fresh start and a new life. And he'll do that if you'll put faith in him and in what he has offered for you at the cross. I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning. I want to make two invitations for the body of Christ this morning. First of all, if there's anyone in here that would say, Pastor Isaac, I do not know Jesus Christ as my Savior. I don't have a personal relationship with God. I don't want to pass this opportunity by for you to give your life to Christ. And so I want to pray for you, and then I'm going to make this invitation this morning. And I want you to take seriously the opportunity that God is giving you. Because that's exactly what it is. It's an opportunity. An opportunity to say yes to Christ. And to ex receive the forgiveness of your sins. And to have a new, fresh start with him. Father, in Jesus' name I pray. That if there's any within the sound of my voice who doesn't know Jesus as their Savior. I pray that you would draw them to yourself by the power of the Holy Spirit. I ask you, Father, to bring them conviction of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Let the Holy Spirit bring to mind those things that they have done which have offended God. That there would be in their heart a desire to say yes to Christ and to receive the forgiveness that he gives. Father, I ask you to do that for the glory of your name in this generation. Now, if that's you this morning, if there's anybody in here that says, Pastor Isaac, I want to give my life to Christ. I want a fresh start in my life. I need Jesus. I need a Savior. If that's you, would you just raise your hand real high so I can see it? If there's anybody out there, I see you there. Anybody else who would say, Pastor Isaac, I want to give my life to Christ this morning. I need to make a commitment of my heart to Jesus. Would you just say yes to him? How many more Christmases will pass before you come to know him as your Savior, as your Lord? If that's you, would you just raise your hand right where you are? I want to ask, if you raise your hand, would you come and stand with me at this altar? Elders, would you come please as well? If you raise your hand this morning, would you come?
I want to pray with you. Sir, would you come? Let's pray with you. Now I want to make this second invitation. This is for the whole body of Christ. Would you just join me in this altar this morning and offer to God an offering of worship? Would you just come to him and bring him your treasures this morning? Brother Dell? would you pray with him, please? Let's fill this altar with worship this morning with the sweet-smelling aroma of gratitude and praise for the living God. Come on, I want you to come out of your pew. They traveled thousands of miles to worship Jesus because he was worth that to them. And Jesus is worth that to us this morning. So as we bring him our worship, we bring him our gratitude, we are amazed by you, Jesus. We want to say how blessed we are and to thank you for your goodness, to thank you for your grace. Come on, just lift up worship and adoration to the living God.